Hi, and welcome back to Sound Methods. I'm thrilled to be speaking today with Marcos Alonso, the developer behind one of the iPad's most enduring and recognizable music apps, Sampler. I've written about this app extensively in multiple Studio Diary postings on my site, and it's featured in so many of my songs at this point that I couldn't count the total by now. The music you hear behind me is one example. In case you haven't already figured it out, it's truly one of my all-time favorite instruments, not just on the iPad, but on any platform, period. Sampler was one of the first music apps to take full advantage of the touchscreen and gestures that the iPad offers. It's an experimental playground that's so easy to use, anyone can pick it up and have fun. But at the same time, it's flexible and powerful enough to have attracted a who's who of notable users by now. It's been featured in music by Fred again, Apparat, Ellie Golding, Matmos, Richard Devine, Lullatone, and countless others. I spoke with Marcus about all of this, starting from Sampler's humble beginnings on a sheet of notebook paper, the initial fears that it might not work at all based on the early feedback that he got, all the way up to the present day, including what he foresees in the app's future and what he has planned for development. Without further ado, here's my interview with Marcos Alonso. All right, Marcos Alonso, thanks so much for joining me here on Sound Methods. Appreciate you taking the time. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for inviting me, Andrew. Yeah, absolutely. So I got to say, Sampler totally rocked my world the first time I used it. It was the first music app that I personally used. I was on an old, I think a first gen iPad mini at the time when I first dipped my toes into it. And I've talked to so many musicians over the years too, who it seems like Sampler is like their gateway into iPad music making. For whatever reason, it's just like, it seems to be a very accessible, immediately interesting app for people to get started on. So I'm really curious to hear what the origin story is behind it. Like, how did you, you know, get the motivation or inspiration to start this project in the first place? Where did it come from? Oh, that's, that's, that's a good question. So before Sampler, I work on this project called The Reactable. Yep. That was, we started in 2003. Um, so basically, The Reactable is this table-shaped synthesizer with a surface that has a projection and it also detects these blocks that you move around the surface. So I, I think I, I remember around, well, we were working on it around maybe 2005 or so. I was projecting some waveforms on the screen and I remember looking at them like, oh, it would be cool if you could do like gestures on them. Like maybe I can just touch it to like slice it. We did have some gestures on, on the reactable. You could you could touch the waveform to mute it. You could do like a cut gesture on a waveform to, to mute it too. So that's actually how you would mute channels or threads. And so there was a little bit of that already in the reactable, but in my head I was like, oh, it'd be nice if it was more, more like a sampling instrument where I can use multi-touch. It was actually, it was, the reactable was multi-touch before even the iPhone came out. So it was like a very new, this idea of using multiple fingers. And I, just my imagination was, you know, like firing. And I remember I took some notes. I have a notebook somewhere. I, I could share a, a scan with you where I took some notes of all my ideas. Like what if I could just touch the waveform, right, on the screen and I can use more than one finger and 
make loops and how is how can this be musical in, in some way? So I think that was the idea. But I, I you know, I put it aside, I was too busy with the Reactable. And I think the, the multi-touch screen of the Reactable was not good enough for something like that. And I was, you know, I was focused on something else. But years later, I remember when the iPad came out, the iPad was announced, that I, I was immediately like fascinated by it because it felt to me the iPad, it was like kind of like perfect for a musical instrument. Right. In terms of the size of it, the the fact that you can, it feels like kind of like a little keyboard or a little instrument that you can take with you and just play anywhere. And it has this super expressive, like multi-touch interface. Right. So then when I saw it, I was like, oh, maybe some of those ideas will make sense. And that's how, how Sampler started. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to see that that initial sketch that, that you've got lying around. That would be really cool to see. But gosh, yeah. And I forgot to even mention here too, at the start, anything about Reactable. I mean, in and of itself is a, a really amazing instrument to use. And so for people listening here, highly encourage you to check that out as well. I'll include a link to that in the eventual article as well. So that brings up a couple trains of thought that I'm hoping to touch on here too. But the the interface for Sampler to me is just like very intuitive as a musician, as someone who's used countless samplers over the years, countless hardware samplers. It almost seems so well designed. I'm really wondering if you have any personal musical background or musical experience that kind of led to the feature set that we see there. Do you have a music making background? And if so, were there specific hardware samplers that you were thinking about when you wanted to develop Sampler? That's another good question. Because I I love music and I love instruments and the act of making music, but I don't really have a proper musical background. Mm-hmm. I've always been fascinated by the act of making music. But when I remember when I tr- always try to make music, I was never satisfied with how it sounded. So... I was more fascinated and focused on the the instrument part of, of it. You know, I, I love yeah. musical instruments. So I've always been around music and I love music, but never really been in on the making side of it. Uh, I mean, I do, with, for instance, with the Reactable, we did spend years demoing the instrument. So we'll have to prepare samples and perform live. But it was more like, demos of the instrument like this is the things you can do with this instrument more than like proper music that you would record and publish so i've always been fascinated but never really made a lot of music so it's more of like a an intuition when i was making samplers like oh this is how i think a sampler should work (laughs) or maybe it's because i haven't really had a lot of experience with samplers like hardware samplers or software samplers before that freed up my mind to like do maybe think do things in a different way like that could be part of it yep yep yeah it's just it's such a such an intuitive app to use i mean coming from you know my experience using like mpc akai mpc samplers for instance they're you know renowned for their ability to slice and dice samples and there's sample chopping that people get you know really technically skilled at doing but with sampler i mean it's literally right there on the screen you're just you know dragging uh, with your finger to set the the start points of these slices and it just makes sort of perfect sense um from that perspective so it's it's 
yeah, to me, like everything I've looked for in a hardware sampler, and it's in a much more convenient form factor on the iPad, personally speaking. It's, it's, it's interesting that sorry, you mentioned the fact that it's intuitive, and but it wasn't always the case. I remember <laughs> when I... When I, I made the app, I made it, you know, in my head and I built it and stuff. And then I have all these friends who are like proper musicians, right? And I, before I launched the app, I remember showing it to them and I remember putting it in front of them. And in particular, this one, Carlos, which is this musician, good friend of mine, a musician that used to play on the Reactable. And he was so confused because it's, <laughs> it's a very unusual interface. It doesn't yeah. look like a traditional app. And I remember he was looking at it. It's like, I don't even know how to make any sound with this. <laughs> and I was so worried. It's like, oh, did I make something that doesn't make any sense? <laughs> and, and it was very, <laughs> it was a rough <laughs> moment for me because I was trying to do things in, in, in a different way that I, sure. that I imagine, you know, this is how I think things should work or this is how I expect things to work. But then when I showed the musicians who were like more familiar with traditional like samplers and, and synthesizers, they were very confused and they were like, oh, I don't even know where to begin. And I, then for a moment, I was like, maybe I made something that doesn't make any sense. And <laughs> and to be honest, when I made it, I was, I made it more like like an experience for me where I, I wanted to learn because I at Reactable, I worked on the interface, but didn't really work on the audio engine and, and other parts of it. So I was like, oh, Sample to me was more like a learning project but I wanted to make every single part of it from the design to the implementation to even like the website, the demos, the yep. promotional video, talking to press. I wanted to experience every part of the project. And I don't know, when I first saw people using it, I was like, wow, this is this might not work. To the point that I was like, I'm okay releasing this app for free. I'm okay <laughs> just putting it out so people can use it as like a, more like a portfolio piece where I can go to people out. Oh, yeah, see, this is something I made. But I think it was like last minute that I was like, oh, maybe I'll charge a little bit for it. Like, I think it was $5. Yeah. And at the moment I published it, it just blew up and it, it, it did very well and people really loved it. But there was yeah. a moment there right before launching it that was, <laughs> I was very <laughs> worried that maybe it was too different, you know? <laughs> That's amazing to hear. Yeah, because I mean, it makes perfect sense to me when I look at it, you've got, the tracks lined up there right in front of you. There's effects to apply to each one of them. To me, I don't know, maybe it's just my brain, but it, it made perfect sense. And it's so funny to hear you say you're thinking about doing it for free. I mean, I was about to say I'd pay like 10 times what you're charging for it now. <laughs> I, I tell people all the time, like it, it's worth getting an iPad just to get sampler for like people who see me perform and then inevitably ask questions about you know, what I'm doing up there or how things are made and how it's working, you know, sampler is a big part of that. So I say, if you want to dip your toes into iOS music making, I think it's to me a, a perfect place to start. And I'd recommend just buying a used iPad and loading sampler on there. And that can get you quite a bit of, you know, you can get quite a bit of sound out of just that. So, and there's a couple of things you said there I wanted to touch on too. You had mentioned some of the early feedback that you got from musician friends it's got to be amazing to see who is using it now. I mean, it's been ad adopted by some pretty, you know, high profile power users, if you want to say. I know Fred again is using it, Matmos, Apparat, Lullatone, Richard Devine, like the list goes on and on. There are all these, 
you know, really amazing musicians who have nothing but glowing things to say about it. So it's got to be pretty, A, I mean, pretty validating to see feedback like that come in. But I'm wondering too, if there's what your process is in terms of collecting feedback on the app, like, are you still reaching out to musicians to, to do that? Or is it mostly a self-directed kind of endeavor at this point? How are you continuing to think about the app and its growth going forward? I want to keep Sampler alive. That's for sure. Because like what you were saying, like there's so many people who rely on it and use it a lot. So I, for sure, I want to make sure that the app c- continues working and everybody can rely on it as it works. And in that sense, I, I mean, it's done really well. Like the app still works on any iPad and any version of iOS, and it's stable enough that people can trust it as a, as a live tool. I think it's going on, yeah, probably, I mean, I don't even know how long at this point. I think it's been out there for like 12 years or something like that. Yeah, it came out in 2013, yeah. yeah. So it's 11 years now. Yeah, last year was the fourth anniversary. Yeah, that that's... Oh, sorry, yeah, 2012. That's, 2012. Wow. Yeah, which to me is like, I mean... That's kind of one of my chief criteria when I'm thinking about like what instruments and tools I want to use in my music. Because I'm a big fan of like the Electron hardware. I I love the Octatrack, for instance, because it's been supported consistently for, I think, 13 years now at this point, right around the same time. They continue to update it, keep it intact. Same with Sampler. It's reliable. It's, you know, up to date and you know, it's going to, you know, it's going to work. That's sort of like... There's so many apps out there, I think, that are just kind of like fly by night. You know, a guy had an idea, wrote something up real quick, published it on the app store. And then sure enough, there hasn't been any updates or like <laughs> maintenance on it in five years, four years or whatever. So it's nice to know that you can trust it's going to be around. I think that's something that's really important. Yeah, going back to your, uh, sorry, to your previous question, how are you, if it's self-guided, how are you managing the feedback? I mean... It's been out for so long that I've heard many things like what, you know, a lot of people, people ask uh, many different things, right? Like I want it to work like this. Most people bring their thoughts from other systems. Like, oh, I'm used to working like this. So can I sure. do the same sampler, which is uh, tricky. And I, I've been trying to protect it in a way that, oh, this is, sampler works in a special way. And this is like, kind of like the philosophy of the app. And I want to preserve that. Also, I feel like when I released it, it was already in a very mature state. Yep. Like I had this idea of touching the waveform and how can how can you actually make music by touching the waveform? And I, I feel like in my head, I kind of like explore all the things that I wanted to explore in Sampler. So I think it kind of makes sense that the app hasn't changed much because I feel like all the ideas that I had at the time that I think makes sense for this concept are in the app already. I think I added at some point, I added a new mode, which is the ar- arpeggio, yep. or arpeggio, mm-hmm. which I think is, is something I wanted to have in V1, but I couldn't, then I added it later. And I think adding like little details here and there, like, I don't know, like panning, because people yeah. needed panning or support, mostly like compatibility with other apps like right. Aum or Audiobus, so people can use it as an, in a host app so they can like, mix it with other apps easier. So I've been like making it so it's more convenient for musicians to use it. But the core of the functionality, I've been trying to preserve the philosoph- the original philosophy of the app. Yeah. I recently added some a few changes. One is like MIDI control. Yep. This is something that people have been asking for 
for many years, and I, I understand. I personally always thought that the, the, the interesting thing about Sampler is the multi-touch interface. So yeah. I wasn't sure about the how useful MIDI was going to be. But And you were mentioning Fred again before. So Fred again, as a team, had some requests because they were been playing these big shows and they were like, oh, if we could have like MIDI control so we can like make sure like the volumes are down before like a piece or something like that. It's more like a how to make sure that things don't go crazy on while you are on a on stage or you know in, in a big in a big event. And so I was like, okay, I'll I'll work on that. So that's part of the reason I added uh, MIDI control, and it's it's out already and it's free for everybody, free update. And the interesting thing is that as I was building, adding the MIDI support and I was testing it with keyboards and um, controllers. I was like, oh, this is actually pretty cool. <laughs> like it, it adds like a new dimension to the app because you still have the the multi-touch part of it, but you if you have a controller on the side, you can control things that are like in the on the background, like you were not able to control before. And so it's adding like even more ways to use the app. And I think I, I'm excited to see what people are gonna do with it. I, I, there's already like videos online of people like using the app with media and stuff, so it's it's pretty exciting. Yeah, I've got my own ready to, I haven't published it yet, but I <laughs> was messing around with it the other day. Yeah, to be able to assign MIDI control over the levels specifically, the each of the sampler mm-hmm. levels, and then not have to flip back and toggle back and forth between the windows to do that. I've, I just have a, you know, a little Novation fader bank that I can use to to set the levels and make sure that they're good. And just that alone, I mean, like you say, I think the app is already so good and so mature at this point that it's hard to think of <laughs> truly like, you know, what else there is to do at this point other than like quality of life stuff like that. Like that's a, that's a huge benefit to be able to, to control it remotely. Cause I can't even imagine how many people are, you know, reaching out and asking about when is AUV three compatibility going to come or, you know, stuff like that. Like I'm sure you get that constantly. It's gotta, it's gotta be like a, a stream of requests coming in for stuff like that. But that's the beautiful thing is it's already so well built. So yeah, I mean, I guess kudos <laughs> for building an <laughs> app that can like stand the test of time like that. Yeah, it seems pretty you. rare. <laughs> you were mentioning how like there's a over the years like a f- few big musicians like Apparat and recently Fred again have been using it, and it's been I mean it's incredible. Like it's I feel super honored and lucky that that's the case. Like I feel like somehow I built something that they found useful for their music. There, so it feels, makes me super happy. One of one curiosity about Apparat is that I listened to his music a lot while I was making the instrument. Oh, wow. I was <laughs> very influenced by by his music, and I would think I would listen to like maybe he, his record, and in my head I was like, okay, how would I play? The, how do I imagine myself playing this music? Mm. And that's how a lot of the ideas for the instrument came came to be. So when the app came out, he immediately, like on first day, he started tweeting about it, using it live. And I think he did a show, like uh, like a few days after I launched the app, he was, and I remember seeing a video of him on stage in front of a ton of people on the, with the iPad, which was mind blowing. And it kind of, it was very interesting to see how the, the what, you know, the music that influenced me to create the app, the instrument now, it's, it's the instrument that they're using. So that was very, very, exciting to see and then recently in recent years so that that happened like i don't know when the app came out about 
10 years ago. But I feel like something happened about last year, and it might be because of Fred again. I think he he wasn't in a podcast or two when he was talking about the app. And I feel like after that happened, a lot of producers picked up on it. Mm-hmm. And I and it what happened is that I feel like that sound, there's certain sounds that are very characteristic of sampler, like the way you can do like loops that are very short and modulate the the size of the loop. Yeah. And I feel like that very specific sound kind of like became like popular for like a, for like a year or so. And I've been hearing it in, in more and more songs recently, like to the point that I even started the playlist on Spotify that I can share the link with. with yeah. You. Would love um, to hear. With whenever I find songs that are like, most of them I confirm with the artist, like, hey, do you actually use a sampler for this song? And and then I added to the play, to the Spotify playlist because I, it was kind of like there were like a few months where I would you know listen to a new record from an artist that I like a Webel like this yep. um, band and they use it so much they use like they, they like if you play the new album and it's everywhere and <laughs> same like same with Fred again where like when you are like re- actually listening to it there's so much of that effect like sampling effect used as a texture in the background. Kind of like it became like 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 a very characteristic sound. Yeah. That producers kind of like gravitate towards these days. So I feel like it's kind of like a trendy sound that now I can hear in so many places, which is giving like the app like a second life in a way. Like it's having like another like a yeah. big resurgence <laughs> after 10 years without me doing anything. Like it just it just happened organically on its own. It's oh, it's such a good it's such a good point. Yeah. Because I mean I think yeah, that like that stuttery, glitchy vocal that's so prominent in a lot of that kind of music. Yeah, it's definitely making a comeback. And I think it is. I mean, it's a sign of a good app or a good instrument, period, that it has like that kind of longevity and it can, can kind of speak for itself after a certain point. There's that one mode in Sampler, and I don't even know like what you would call it, but you have the ability to like drag your finger across and highlight a, a small yeah. kind of slice of audio and you can adjust the size of that slice mm-hmm. as you're doing it. And it's like tailor-made. Yeah. For that kind of like that yeah. Fred again, glitchy, mm-hmm. uh, like stuttery, choppy kind of, kind of sound that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of definitely one of people's favorite mode. Yeah. I, I feel like if I ever like work on an, Sampler 2 or a newer version of Sampler, I would love probably to dig more into that mode and extend mm. it. Mm. So I feel like when I, like I said, when I was making the app, I, I, I didn't know how people were going to use it for. And and so this was just one of the modes and it has just one control, which is the, the size of the of the grain. Right. It's more like a granular synthesis. Yeah, um, exactly. Yep. But there's so much we could do there. Like we could change like the stereo of the grains, the way yeah, the grains play the right now there's only two grains per touch but it mm. could be more or less you know so that's a mode that is very popular and i would probably love to extend in future versions of software yeah that's okay so you triggered two questions that i've got in mind here one is yeah you mentioned you were listening to to apparat what is your how would you describe your musical taste? What else do you What else do you listen to these days? Who are some of your other favorite artists that you're that you're enjoying? Oh, that's such a good question. I mean, I 
I've my entire life I mostly gravitated towards electronic music. That's been my passion since I was very young. I've always I also played in bands. I always play like more like rock, basic rock, like guitar stuff. I used to play guitar. So I'm also I can enjoy rock music, you know, Radiohead, whatnot. But it's been mostly electronic, like things like Apparat or more like IDM, like British IDM, like Aphex Twin, things like that. That's what I used to listen to a lot these days. What is, oh, I should look into my library. I mean, Fred again is a big one that I really... It's I funny. love his it's stuff the, too, yeah. Yeah, the, the funny thing with Fred again is that I, I was really into, uh, very excited about his music during pandemic. Yep. And, and then... I, you know, I was listening to it the whole time. And then one day I found that podcast where he mentioned that he was using Sampler. And then I was like, oh, wow, really? And then I went back and it was mind-blowing when I listened to it again. And then I realized, wow, it's basically everywhere. <laughs> how, how come I didn't notice? Like, it's just now that I know, it's just like, there's so much Sampler in, in the background. So maybe we was working at an unconscious level or something. Yeah. Else. Something else, I don't know, these days, Fortet. Yeah. I really like King. I don't know. Wevel is another one that I enjoy a lot. Yeah, you read my so, mind because I think, I mean, Fred again really blew up over that like pandemic period. And then I feel like he like really exploded when he started doing this stuff with, with Fortet and with Skrillex. So yeah, that's, I love what those guys have been doing too. All that old IDM that you mentioned too, Aphex Twin and Telephone Tel Aviv and all those guys. I, I really like that too. So makes sense in terms of like yeah, what the app can do and what it offers. Yeah, I've also always been interested in a lot of like more experimental stuff. Yeah. Like more like people doing like finished or more like a little more noisy or there's this space in San Francisco called Ray Area. Oh, and yeah. this other space called The Lab that yeah. used to bring a lot of really interesting artists doing like more edgy, more interesting stuff. And so that's kind of like things that I enjoy when I go out to see like a live performance, like stuff like that. Gray Area is a fantastic venue. I've seen a show there. I've also performed in San Francisco. There's a venue there called Envelop that mm-hmm. has 32 speakers yeah, surrounding the audience we played a show there and you can mix your audio live and place uh, specific elements of your audio in different sections of the speaker array. It's a really amazing experience. So if you haven't seen a show there, I can highly recommend it. <laughs> the guy who runs it, Christopher Willits, uh, he's released a lot of really beautiful ambient music on labels like Ghostly and 12K and that kind of stuff. So if that's your thing, if you're into that too, it's I can definitely recommend seeing a show there. It's really great. Um, But the other question that I had that was triggered from something that you were saying earlier, sampler two or a (laughs) follow-up, what, what would be, I'm curious, I've got to ask just as a fan of the app, like what would be, cause I, I think it's just kind of amazing to me to see the progress that iOS music in general has made over the last couple of years, especially like it's extremely full featured now. A lot of people I know are just using the iPad like as their hub, as the computer, basically, and their recording setup. And I feel like there's so much you can do with it now. Where would you even start with a sampler too? Like what what is the like the I guess what would be the 
the wish list for that? Or do you feel like, to your earlier point, do you feel like sampler is already a pretty mature statement at this point? Is there anything left to, you know, is there anything that you're still trying to to get out of it at this point? Good point. I, I agree that the main concept and the main idea of the app was explored in depth for the first version of the app. I feel like if I were to make a second version of it, I would focus on the things that I couldn't do for the first app because of limitations of the hardware at the time or limitations of the technology at the time. Yeah. So for instance, now sampler is limited to six samples. So I would probably like to ex- expand that because at the time, like I said, it works on an iPad, on the first iPad, which was not yeah. very fast. So like I had to I had to make some limitations that are, that are hard to avoid now that we have faster uh, iPads are much faster, like incredibly fast these days. Yeah. But there's some limitations that are kind of like embedded into the UI, like the fact that it's six samples and there's no room for more. So we'll have to rethink how that works. Also, like the I, I've been adding more like voices. So the, the app right now has is more rich sound wise compared to the first version. Like I feel like if you if you have multiple sounds at the same time, there's many more voices available. So yep. it has evolved yep. with the with the with the new iPads. But there's things like like the reverb, for instance, that in sampler, even though it looks like you have six reverbs, there's only one. So they're oh, sent okay. to the same reverb. Oh, okay, uh, gotcha. So yeah. that's something else that maybe I would like to to adjust. So now, because iPads can do you know more than one reverb these days. So yeah. So that's one. Th- these are a few things that are, were limitations of the hardware. In terms of limitations of the software, like oh, oh, another hardware limitation would be like the display size, like mm. not having it constrained to. Th- uh, four by three, and maybe even like potentially like make an iPhone version of it. Like when I made Sampler, the iPhones were very small. It was the iPhone four, I think, or the iPhone yeah. five. <laughs> but these days, I feel like Sampler could potentially fit on on a on a normal iPhone in terms of real estate for display and performance. So that would be something else interesting to explore if I ever work on a second version of it. Like how to make the the UI more like responsive and make it so it adjusts to different sizes. So that would also open the gate for like potential AUV3 where you yeah. can run something in a little window if you want to. Other things would be like better integration with other apps, like the the ability to have the audio route separately out of the app, which is something that when I made the first sampler, it didn't even exist. There was yeah. no way to send audio from one app to another. But now there's audio buzz and then there was inter-app audio and yep. these days AUV3. So these are things that didn't exist at the time, but would be great to have on a on a future version of Sampler. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that point about the reverb, like that's I can think too. And another reason why I like Sampler so much is that it is, I mean, it is CPU efficient. Like it can run to your point on pretty ancient iPads and, and still holds up still like keeps chugging along. And, you know, I think just thinking through it, how difficult is that to do to like balance CPU efficiency on that platform? Just as someone who's not like familiar with the development process, is it a friendly, is it, is it relatively easy to do that? Or how do you think through like how to, how to optimize 
the efficiency when you're coming up mm. with updates, like the recent one, for example, did that add huge strain or yeah, what, is, good, what is the thinking like for that? Yeah, good point. I think when I was building it back then, like I said, I was using an iPad too. So that was kind of like the benchmark in terms of performance. Yep. So, and I, I wrote the entire audio engine from scratch. Because like I said, I, I approached this as like a learning experiment. So I didn't want to use libraries or I didn't want to use third-party frameworks. So I just started writing code like, oh, this is how I imagine. And I've never done that before. So I was like, okay, this is how I imagine. I have a buffer of audio. I'm writing samples here. And I learned so much uh, throughout the process. But I think one of the advantages of doing it that way and making it as simple as possible and not using frameworks is that it's very efficient. Yeah. So it's all like very low level C plus plus. Very, and I was trying to make it as fast as possible because at the time there was very the performance on iPads was kind of limited uh, because rendering audio is, is is always very costly. Yeah. Um, so that was um, so basically the way I did it. I was just trying to make everything as efficient as possible, as low level as possible. And then I would just benchmark, like I would try to have like a, all the all the samples playing at the same time on an iPad 2. It's like, oh, if I play all these samples, uh, it doesn't work. So I have to yeah. cut corners, I have to limit the number of voices or have to do this so to make sure that, oh, now when I turn all the effects and I play all the voices, uh, it doesn't stutter uh, or this doesn't drop frames. Um, so that's basically how I optimized it, stress testing the app until I've, I found like the limits of what the iPad could do at the time. And so that's part of the reason it's so efficient and it works so well on older iPads. And then over the years, because iPads, you know, the performance grew exponentially. So like I said, I, I've been adding things that I couldn't do back then, like the quality of the reverb is better or the number of voices has increased. But it, most of the time it's just... Um, looking at the current current hardware on an iPad hardware and how, what can you do with this hardware. In a way, it's a bit like optimizing for a game console. Mm, One of the okay. advantages of developing for iPad is that they're very consistent. Like they're all very, like all iPads are the same in a way. Yeah. They're getting <laughs> faster, but it's very, it's, it's friendlier for a developer as a, you know, if you compare it to Android, where there's many more different devices and it's hard to optimize for all of them. So it feels a bit more like develop, developing for a game console where you have that hardware and you know that the people using the the app or playing the game will have the exact same hardware, so you can optimize for that and assume that it will work the same. Yeah. I think it's hard for a lot of people to grasp, like, oh, we'll just do an AUV3 version of it. Like, you know, how hard can that be? Like, I, I mean... Could you explain like how, you know, what are the, what are like the challenges in doing something like that? What makes the iPad environment specifically different to develop for or potentially more difficult? And, uh, you know, how did you get into that yourself? I'd be curious to hear your history as a developer too, and how the iPad ecosystem has developed over time. Mm, That's very interesting. I mean, like I, like I said before, the moment I saw the iPad, to me, it felt like a perfect device for music because yep. of the size of it. It's so easy to carry around. It's so powerful. 
has a super expressive multi-touch interface. So to, to me, that it was already like a very good platform. And then the tools you use for it is just, I mean, Sampler was built so long ago. At the time, I only knew OpenGL and C++. Mm, so okay. it's pretty primitive in that regard. Like the entire app is built using C++ and the interface is very basic OpenGL. I would definitely do things differently if I were, were to make it today. Like for instance, I, I, I would love the interface to not be, right now it's fixed to four by three because that's the original right. aspect ratio of, of the iPad. And the way I build the entire interface is very like rigid in the sense that everything is hard-coded to be like four by three. So it's going to be, it's challenging to adjust the current version of Sampler to other display resolutions. That's part of the reason AUV3 is very challenging because Sampler doesn't scale very well. So if you want to run it in a window, it won't, that part is, is going to be tricky. Also, the other issue with AUV3 is the current version of Sampler is pretty stable, like the audio engine and the low-level audio unit stuff. And I'm really worried about messing with it and... But, you know, because in order to add AUV3 support, I will have to change how the, the samples are mixed and and change how the low-level audio engine works. And I'm really worried that it might break sampler for, you know, other people. And that is something that I really, I want to be very careful, you know? Sure. Because, yeah, like, I know people depend on it for, like, shows and it's like, they're very attached to it. It's like their instrument. And if it starts failing and or the engine crashes or it doesn't sound how it used to, uh, it, it could be a bit of a disaster, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It. I mean, it's rock solid. I, I've been using it for pretty much every show I've played since 2016 now at this point. So going on like seven, almost eight years worth of live performance. And it's never been the issue in my setup. If anything, other things on the iPad always mess with it so and yeah the scaling too i can envision that being like a total nightmare to try to deal with especially because it's so it's so centered around the waveforms i mean and to be able to touch and freely gesture with those it i can see it being extremely difficult like if it was to be scaled down to a certain size like it's tough to even navigate with a finger on a on a surface that small so makes a lot of sense <laughs> why that would be a challenge. Yeah, the interface was really designed for the iPads at the time. I think I made it on an iPad too, but it also it works on a first iPad, which is kind of fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was, I, I took, I remember I, I, it was, iPad was not out in Spain yet because it was only available in the US. So I, I printed a life-size iPad <laughs> and I started sketching on it. And the entire interface was really built around that display size and display uh, aspect ratio. Mm. So like the waveform is 50% of the screen, exactly 50%. The rest is dedicated to buttons. There's, I was trying to, and I brought some of the concepts that I learned from Reactable when designing the instrument, like the idea of trying to have as little menus as possible while you're performing. So it's, the, the interface of Sampler looks a little daunting in the sense that there's so many buttons, but the idea is that those buttons never change and never move, and they're always there. So when you're playing and you need something, you just can right away tap on it. You don't have to mm. open a menu, look for it. 
So that was part of the philosophy of the design. It's like, how can, you know, can, how can you keep this as static as possible, like an actual physical instrument? So once you know where things are, they're always there and, and they're not going to move around. You don't have to dive into menus. And I think that's part of the successes or what makes the, the instrument good as a life tool because it feels more like a physical thing than an actual piece of software, I feel like. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it, it, it does work for that purpose well, too. I mean, I've seen so many musicians who just have, you know, a dedicated iPad running sampler off to the side and it, it, it's just its own instrument. I think it, it's really well suited for that just the way that it's built and the way that it looks. There's definitely some muscle memory that's been developed for me. I can definitely vouch for that. Another thing I wanted to ask you about with regards to the app is the logo. I love the I love the design there that infinite loop with the with the S carved out of it. I it like my eye is drawn to it every time I open up the iPad. So can you talk a little bit about that how it was created, who came up with it, how how it developed i'd be curious to hear the story behind that just because i i personally like it so much so i would love to hear oh that. wow <laughs> that's so interesting thanks thanks to be honest no one has ever mentioned that before oh <laughs> yeah like, I, uh, I love it i think it's like oh, yeah thanks, man. Uh, uh, yeah i don't think no one has ever asked me about the logo before it was i don't know i don't remember i i made it but i don't remember how <laughs> i came up with it i i think i was just trying things with an s and then the infinite like if it's a you know, it's looping concept is very, you know, sure. common in, in sampling world. So it made sense. It's like an infinite symbol. And I just was trying with the S until I figured out, oh, if I make the the infinite part gray kind of looks like the symbol and the S. So I don't know. That's how it happened. <laughs> it, it looks cool. Yeah. Yeah, I I just I think it works really well. And I had never really noticed that it was that it did like connect or make the loop until a, a couple of years ago on closer inspection, so it was a nice little hidden layer to it there. Yeah, so I think in thinking about the app too, just you know, and how it works and how it functions, I think one of my favorite aspects of it is, you know, there's the ability to record audio of course, but there's also the ability to record gestures and movement and you can loop the the motions that you're making with your fingertips on the screen is there like a moment or something that spurred that thought too because i think it's like a nice especially as so many people are trying to you know go dollless quote unquote or like move away from computers now i think it's like a really nice way to add motion and variation and things that you would normally have to spend time doing like in an automation lane in a doll and like kind of tedious editing to achieve motion like that. Was that always part of the, you know, the plan for you when, when the app was developed to, to enable that feature too? Cause I think it's a really differentiating factor for the, for the app compared to a lot of other things that are out there. Yeah. I think it, it happened during the development while I was working on it. I don't think when I started, I don't think, I had the idea, yeah. But I mean, the way sample works, there's so many parameters that you're controlling when you're touching the screen, like the X and Y and multiple fingers that it would be really hard to to create like piano roll, kind of like more traditional. And yep. it kind of like, it feels yep. like very at odds with what sampler. I mean, I could be 
recording the things and maybe there could be a, a different view where you hear a piano roll with the touches. But it's what are you going to have on the left? It's not a piano. It's just some, it just <laughs> slices of a sample. So I think yeah. it just happened naturally like, oh, maybe the only way to sequence this is to actually record the gestures. And and I it I think it works really well. Like it it yeah. It feels like it's part of the philosophy of the instrument and feels very true to the medium, which is a multi-touch screen as opposed to using a mouse on a computer when when you're putting in the notes in a in a piano roll. I feel like there was no other way to sequence. But it it right. lead, it led some very interesting parts of the app, like the fact that you can have multiple loops, but they can be any length. I feel like that's something that is potentially kind of hard to do with other devices or other DAWs, but it's very easy with sampler. And I feel like it's very musical. Like I have like a six bar loop on this sample, but a 12 bar loop on this other one or an eight bar loop. And they, you know, they meet, sometimes and i feel like it's yeah. very musical it's very interesting and it feels very natural when you're recording and using sampler so that part is is really it worked really well and i, I think at some point initially it had only one layer of touch recording mm-hmm. and i think i yeah. added two more because people really wanted to open it up to record yeah. on top so that that's something else i added later on so now you have three layers of recording on top which is pretty cool. And now actually with the MIDI update, you can combine that with MIDI. So you can have, mm, yep. you can be recording with a keyboard and then touching the screen and have three layers times, you know, key MIDI plus hand. So it's, it's there are many, many layers, yeah, many yeah. different possibilities. One, one of my favorite things actually about the touch recording part of it is that you can record the sequence and then when you change the tempo, you can actually see your fingers moving in a different speed. Yeah. And it's kind of unique that I, you don't really see that very often, but it feels it feels very nice and it feels, you know, you know, feels right. Yeah. It's very natural. It doesn't feel like jarring or, or sudden. Yeah, there's a really nice responsive aspect to it. It's really I definitely great. I would like to extend the recording of gestures to the rest of the UI. That's something that so many people have asked for, right? I want to be able gonna... to record when I'm changing the, the effects, you know? Yeah, exactly. And... That, that's exactly where I was going to go, uh, to the effects section. I could see that being really, really uh, powerful and interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. But I feel like with the current UI, it could potentially become a little confusing. Yep. So I want to make sure that if I ever add that, it feels integrated into the, into the UI. Yep. Yeah. Another question that I had for you is I can think of like a couple, there are a couple like iPad staple apps to me. Sampler is one of them. uh, Borderlands is another classic app. Um, Fugue Machine is another one. I'm curious if you're in touch with those guys at all with, with, Chris and Alex and like does do you so like share funny. ideas about any of this st- or like share thoughts on development and things like that? I I'm just wondering like what kind of a community there is behind the the iPad developers and even like guys like Audio Damage. <laughs> yeah, I love the fact that you mentioned those two apps because we are friends. Yeah, like okay, I yeah. met Alex, <laughs> the creator of Fugue Machine, when I first moved to San Francisco ten years ago. Okay, we've been friends with. And I, and I met Chris when 
when we launched we launched Sampler and Borderlands, and he launched Borderlands around the same time. Mm. Uh, yeah. And I think he came to Barcelona to Sonar. I was living in Barcelona at the time to present the app, and we met, and we've been friends since. And the funniest thing is that we do have a thread in iMessages with <laughs> the three of us where we are pretty active, like talking about. Like the other day, I was had some questions about media, and I, I mean, Alex is his app is mostly media, so he's like an expert. Right, right. So he was helping us, and then he got questions about audio, and I was like, you know, sharing what I know, and so we try to, yeah, we do talk to each other a lot, and whenever <laughs> there's like, oh, this new app store rule, or oh, my sales are down, are you guys, how are your sales doing? Is <laughs> stuff like that. It's pretty interesting. So we are, we are in touch. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's it's, really it's, cool. it's a really nice community. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the, like the iPad app hall of fame on the chat thread. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. I was curious. I, I thought there might be some level of, of interaction there, but cool to hear it confirmed. Um, the other one that I, that I used to work with at Apple is Marek, creator of Koala Sampler. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. We worked together at Apple and he oh. <laughs> decided yeah, to quit to, to make Koala and it's been doing amazing. And yeah, the app is incredible. Yeah. That's another stone cold classic I forgot to mention, but yeah, I feel like everyone comes through, everyone comes to the iPad through like one of those handful. It feels like it's inevitably on everyone's device at some point. I've got to ask too about the, the touch bar version of the app that you had a couple of years ago. I was really sad to see that go. I, th- that being the, like the touch bar concept, I feel like people kind of ragged on the, on the touch bar version of the, of the MacBook and, some people thought it was stupid or like not, you know, not worth it. But I thought there was still potential there. I thought there was like opportunities to make that a really cool feature. And like I'm on a I'm on an M1 Max now and it's like phenomenally powerful, you know, but I don't know. I can still see areas where I would like to have that element of touch and gesture on the keyboard. I'm curious if you feel the same, because to me, that was a really innovative use of of the feature there. And I can think of a couple other apps too that would that would like benefit from that extra bit of surface control like you were exploring there. I'm curious to hear your thought on that. Yeah, that's funny. I mean, that came came out of like the boredom of the beginning <laughs> of the pandemic. So I was we were at home with my partner and I w- and we were trying to find things to do because <laughs> we were at home and that seemed like a fun little project. I always I don't know, I Whenever I see a new like piece of like input, like like happen with the iPad and sampler, or in this case with the touch bar, whenever I see a new piece of input, I'm always excited. Like, oh, what are the things you could do with it? I feel like touch bar was super cool in the sense that you yeah. had this multi-touch strip directly on the keyboard that it adds like a, a very expressive layer to right. your keyboard. Like, you know, uh, if you don't if you don't look at it, you don't think about it as virtual buttons, because the virtual buttons will never be as good as the physical buttons you have next to it. But if you think of it as like, oh, this is a continuous strip with multiple, that you can control with multiple fingers. It's like, oh, that kind of aligns very well with with sampler. So it seemed yeah. like <laughs> a good match. And it was kind of like a fun challenge. How can I make this as quick as possible, like a very simple version of sampler and where you can just do many you know, like little loops and you know have like two or three effects and it's more like a demo or like more like a, yeah, like a mini version of the app. Like it really, right. 
it doesn't have as many features, of course, but um, <laughs> it was like a like idea of like, hey, can we make some, can I make something, something fun with it? And it, a lot of people mentioned, oh, wow, that seems like a interesting use for the touch bar. Like that, then the, many people didn't see or not other, not many other companies used the touch bar like that when they were making apps for it. It was mostly just like a dynamic row of buttons that change, but I was trying to see if they could do more than that. And I, yeah. and I, I also like made it free and I, I do say in the website, there's no support, this use it at your own <laughs> risk. It's just like for fun, an example. And and it's out there and if you want to use it, just just have fun with it. But that, that's about it. Yeah. I, I thought it was fantastic. But I mean, because I use half the time I'm using my iPad, it's like I mean, probably like 80% of the time I'm using it, I'm I'm running sampler, but then like I do my biggest second secondary use case is using it as basically a MIDI controller. I've got I run Loopy Pro and then I set up like a custom screen of widgets to control devices in Ableton Live and stuff like that and send MIDI through my iPad to my laptop to control it. Yeah, I could just like think of so many examples where it would be nice to have a touch surface, a touchable surface with gestures to control things in my desktop software, desktop programs like that. But ah. I'll keep advocating for it. I uh, I wish they would bring that back, but <laughs> I may be on an island here. But I'll I'll keep shouting about it. Maybe maybe someone will do something one day. <laughs> Anything you want to plug in terms of things you're working on? Where can we go to see more of your work? Uh, anything you want to direct people to to check out? Uh, definitely check out Fig Machine and Borderlands Granular and yeah. Koala Sampler if you haven't. You know you haven't. Uh, use them or don't know about them. There are incredible apps. Yeah, made by really cool people. So yeah, check those out. Really glad that we had the opportunity to to chat here. This is very illuminating. And again, it's like a just a major fanboy of the app. Glad I got to to get some insight and background on it. I really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for giving me the <laughs> chance uh, to yeah. be in your podcast. Thanks so much for listening to Sound Methods. Head over to the Substack page to read a full transcript of my interview with Marcos, along with detailed links, context, and images to accompany the audio. While you're there, feel free to subscribe if you like what we do and want to support the page. For more information about Marcos and his work, please check out the links on the site as well as in the show notes, and download Sampler on the App Store. Thanks again, and see you next time.